0: No, no, no. I, I got, I got to speak this because I believe, I believe it's a God, uh, a word from God for us this morning. But hey, we just had church. It's good. God is good. The worship's good. <laughs> His presence is amazing. It's a great Sunday. It's good to be back with you last week. I hear Jordan did a fantastic job. Isn't she awesome? It's, it's great to have that kind of resources in the host. There you go. Okay, come on. It's good to have a fantastic team. It was it was good to be at Mosaic. I happened to be at Mosaic last Sunday to preach, and it's just it's it's great to see God building his church in our city, the greater church. It's like it's Faith Tabernacle Church is is a church which is part of the church which is growing and expanding and, and moving forward in our city. And we're believing for that across the board. I believe when the tide of God comes in, all boats rise. And, and as we just believe God for greater things in our city. We just celebrate what he is doing. We've got lots to celebrate this morning. I'm so excited to be, be baptizing rash in just a little bit here after the, after the message. And, and after that, we're going to be doing a baptism, a life transformed. It's celebration of a life transformed. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's something to celebrate. We live in a world that desperately needs transformation. Desperately needs transformation. But, but transformation, how, how does that happen? Like, what does that look like? How do you see a community transformed, a city transformed, a, a region transformed? Can, can I just say that the nature of the kingdom of God is to produce or reproduce that which is of itself? You're like, well, that was worded kind of weird. But let me say it again. The nature of the kingdom of God is to reproduce that which is of itself. Let me explain that if we consider this in creation. Think about if you have a home if you're a homeowner and and you have a lawn, think about the dandelions in your lawn, okay um, they have the ability to reproduce and cover the whole earth I mean because right <laughs> they do <laughs> and where did that did did God create each of those dandelion plants that are in your lawn? No, he created dandelions back in the Garden of Eden for some reason and and so <laughs> He needed the little things that are floating around, right? But God did that then with the ability to reproduce and cover the earth. So, so where did the where did the dandelions in your lawn come from? Your neighbors. No, the, the, yeah, but it's like, but the ability to reproduce and keep going. Think of it, you know, maybe in another context, again, with creation. Now, without getting into the idea of a pre-edemic race or where did the people come from in the city that Cain ran off to, but when you think about in the Garden of Eden, God did not create a billion people by his hand. Like the billions of people that have lived on the world over the years, God didn't individually, hands-on, from the dirt create them. What did he do? He created, in the garden, we, we, we read that he created Adam and Eve with the ability to procreate, to make babies, to have more, and to populate the world. So God put in them the ability to be able to, to do what he mandated through the abilities and the giftings and the power that he put within them. When we think about that in the context and extrapolate that principle into the advancement of the kingdom of God in our city, we know that the Holy Spirit's at work, right? God is working by his spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in us and Through us. So in comparison to like I was saying about the Garden of Eden and, and Adam and Eve and all those different things, it's interesting because God uses people who have received salvation to carry that and to bring salvation to others. It's through often the lives that God has transformed that the power of his transformation is brought to our city and to others. It's 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 the, in the it's in the kind. It's like I said. It's like through his kingdom he builds his kingdom, and we are his kingdom. He works through reached people to reach people. Right. Right. See the gospel, the message of hope and recon, reconciliation. It, it's rec, rec, and, Slow down again. I'm trying to get to the baptism. Okay. The message of reconciliation, of hope. It's amazing. And it's baffling at the same time that he would use us. But that is what he's chosen to do. We, the church, his people, his followers, believers, that's the chosen vehicle that God uses, the means of which he, we carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs it. message this morning is called Jars of Clay. And uh, I mentioned that in the staff meeting, and one of them said, Yeah, I used to have their CDs. And it's like, like, yeah, me too. They were awesome. They were a great Christian group. Anyway, if you're saved, you've been entrusted with the most precious truth known to man, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. That in and of itself is a sobering thought. But it's so exciting. And I'm hoping this morning that as we open up God's word and as we explore that, that that will become so real to you this morning. That something will come alive in you as the recognition of that within you comes alive and God breathes his spirit into that. I'm going I'm to begin with a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. Um, we're gonna be starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 5, and we're gonna go down there a long ways, but I'm just gonna keep, I'll read some scripture, and then I'm gonna preach at you, and then I'm gonna read some more scripture, and then I'm gonna go back to it. So, So we're gonna begin there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Paul and his and his entourage, he's speaking, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, This for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves. As servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. I just want to pray before we continue. God, I thank you for your all surpassing power that's at work in us and through us this morning, Lord. And I just pray that your word would come alive. God, help me to speak clearly, but God, may your Holy Spirit take this message, God, and download it into our lives in a way that is spirit empowered, that actually brings more than information, that it actually brings transformation. So, God, Lord, we just surrender our hearts, our minds, our preconceived ideas, Lord, the the distractions of this day. Lord, we just lay them aside and pray, God, you would speak to us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Imagine it if you would. I want you to, to think about this analogy, this this jars of clay analogy. If you're if you're a car buff, maybe you know you 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 know you, you get on YouTube and, and sometimes you see these these old cars and the, there's these special unique cars that they, barn finds they call them where someone has had this vehicle and stashed it in a in a, in a barn or a building and forgotten about it. And it's like, and and so when it's discovered, it's like, wow, what a what a treasure in this barn, and and so it could be compared to that. It it could be like a bar of gold wrapped in brown paper. It's it's like like finding a diamond ring in a mud puddle. It's it's a couple of years ago. It's funny. There was this. There was a worker in a thrift shop in Ontario. It was at the Mennonite Central. Committee Thrift Center in New Hamburg, Ontario. They're going through the bins in in this thrift store. One of the one of the workers there, and they come across an original Mod Lewis painting in this bin. And, and if you're if you're from the area, if you're if you're familiar, Maud Lewis was a, a folk artist who lived in Nova Scotia, who, who at the time of her life her paintings would sell for five bucks a piece. But since she's passed and it's gotten some notoriety, they're, they're actually quite sought-after pieces of art. And so they found this Maud Lewis as they were flicking through and they said, Can this be real? So rather than sell it for five bucks, they decided they'd get it appraised. It appraised at twelve thousand dollars. So then, like, they, they decided, okay, well, let's put it up for auction. So they put it up for auction. That $5, you know, basic barn find here in the thrift store auctioned for $45,000. Interesting. Interesting. It was out of place, but that did not diminish its value. The, the diamond ring in the puddle, it's out of place but its value is still intact because its value is not determined on the surroundings of it. What it's carried by, whether it's a thrift store, or a mud puddle, its value is in what it is, the treasure itself. A bar of gold, it doesn't matter what you wrap it in. It's worth the same. On the stock exchange, whatever, the value of that gold is not determined by what's around it. It's, it's determined by its true value. It's the same no matter what. The idea... As we compare this to what God has placed in us, the idea here is not to take credit ourselves for the beauty of salvation displayed in us, but to recognize the treasure, to recognize, wow, what lives in me. It's like, it's very difficult to fathom sometimes. A treasure in a clay pot, the contrast, it's striking. The redeeming power of God, the Spirit of God, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, a treasure in clay. Now, it's not to condemn the vessel. It's to elevate the treasure. It's not like, oh, I'm dirt, I'm worthless, I'm useless. No, it's, it's, it's to recognize the value of the treasure within us. We have this treasure, It's like, and we carry this treasure. It's not to make us feel insignificant, to, but to re- recognize his significance. Wow. That is all surpassing power. That's from God. <laughs> it's not from us. So, as Paul writes, he begins to describe some of the, uh, I should give you a little context, like writing to the church in Corinth, like there were some things going on in the world. Like it wasn't all roses and sunshine, there was some persecution happening. He, he starts to talk about, about the resistance to the gospel. Like there's, there's things that are happening in their midst where the Romans are against them. And the established church are against the gospel. So there's some, there's, some, there's some things happening that aren't good. So he begins to describe this. So he talks about the treasure. And then Paul goes on in verse 8. And, and I think, you know, whoever the scribe was, was probably the quill was probably smoking by the time he got done with this. But it's like Paul's writing. He says, guys, guys, you got to understand. Understand the value of what's going on here. He said, he said we're hard-pressed on every side but we are not crushed. We, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're, we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. It's like we carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For, for we are, are, who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, But life is at work in you. Right? So he saying like, things are happening. Paul and his companions in faith, they were willing to die for the cause. I mean, that was a real thing. Paul was okay with that. Go, Paul. What he faced, it didn't distract him from seeing others experience the amazing grace of God. They recognized the power of the message that was given to them. Now, we don't face that kind of persecution in our world here. There are place, parts of this planet where people face that, that kind of persecution where they can die for their faith. But for us, in our comfortable yet warm church, we, we, we have a certain amount of comfort. We have a certain amount of, of ease, I will say. Much of the battle for us is, is in the context of, our, of what's going on inside, the battles, the resistance, there's, there's always a potential risk in sharing your faith, of being like who you are as a Christian and in, in, in the public sphere. It's, it's a very personal thing. We, we fight with our own thoughts, our own desires, our own struggles, our own comfort, our own belief. Like, there is, like, we all do. I do too. There's moments when, you know, God will give you a nudge, but you, you, you argue yourself out of it. You hear from God and you've got a word for somebody and you like, and you convince yourself that. That's not from God. And so we keep quiet, right? It's like these things, they come to us, and yet we find we're so good at, at we should be lawyers, because we can talk ourselves out of anything. And in fact, that's the battle for us. It's not, it's not necessarily on the outside. But Paul, as he continues, as he's thinking about this from the context of, of, of the people that are in front of him, and as he writes this letter, he says, he says this in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 13, the next verse. He says, it's written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And Paul says, with that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Come on, somebody. I mean, believe and therefore speak. I also believe and therefore speak. Because we know. So Paul knows some things. He says because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us present with you in his presence, us with you in his presence. He says this is good for you, this is good for us. We will present it in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. It's for the benefit of others. So more and more people in our city can know the power and the presence and the love of God. So that more and more people in our families, in our lives, in our workplaces, more and more can know to the glory of God. For our... Oh, don't skip any verses. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Hmm. We will not give up. We will not quit. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. By day by day. Anyway, therefore, we do not lose heart because we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen, it's temporary, but what is unseen, it's eternal. I believe, and therefore I speak. I believe. I believe. And it's for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. I I, I believe and I speak, not for my own fame and fortune. Paul says, I believe and I speak for the glory of God and for others. There's a bit of a school of thought out there that's a carryover from what we would call the modern uh, culture, the modern movement when the Enlightenment happened, and there was this this period of time that science became um, very prominent. Investigative theories became very prominent, and 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 what happened in that was through the process the values of that shifted because what could be experimentally measured and proven became fact, and anything that could not be measured or proven scientifically became at worst, arbitrary, or at best, arbitrary, and and at worst, diluted. Okay, so anything that couldn't be measured became like, well, you're off, you're off, you're, you're not there. You like, and so that became kind of the value thing that, within the culture that things became to be measured by in, in the in the modern era, and, and with with that, what happened is one's faith became something that was both private and arbitrary. It, your faith, what you believed. Any anybody's faith, what, the different things that, that couldn't be measured, that became something that, well, that does not belong in the public square. That becomes something that must be relegated to the private, sp- you know, you can believe what you, and, and kind of the mantra of it is like, well, if that works for you, that's fine, but that doesn't work for me. Like, it becomes arbitrary. Well, you believe what you can believe, and there are a million equally valid options out there for anybody to believe. So that was kind of what things got kind of pushed into or pigeonholed into. And as you look back, down through history, from, from that point of the Enlightenment, and you begin to see what was going on in the church and how very methodically the, the things of faith kept being moved out. That was kind of the, the that's the atmosphere, that's the, the postmodern culture that we live in. is a bit different, but that's the modern culture. If it works for you, then that's fine, but it's not for me. And it's interesting because because C.S. Lewis, who, who was a bit of an apologist, a writer, uh, English guy, very very well thought through, very, very articulate. He's quoted as saying this, and I believe it's out of mere Christianity. I'm not sure of the book you wrote, but it's C.S. Lewis, definitely. He's quoted as saying, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, it's of infinite importance. He says, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So what he's saying is that this this can't be something, okay, well, it's good for you, it's not good for me. It's like, oh, well, yeah, okay, but we can add that to our lives. He said, it's either not important at all or it's the most important thing we can realize. Jars of clay. The glory and the power of God in jars of clay. Either, Either it's true and it's the most important thing you walk out of here with today or it's of no account. Now, here's the thing. I believe, therefore I speak. And I believe that the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And though I am a jar of clay, the power of God in me has transformational power for our city, for my life, for my family, and for you. That's across the board. And if it's true for me, I believe it's true for you, and so I speak that. Peter says in writing to the church, the Apostle Peter, and he says, He says, in First Peter three fifteen, and that one's not for the screen. So it's just First Peter three fifteen and sixteen. He says, "But in your heart, set across Christ, as, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously about your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander." Peter says, live right and be ready to explain the hope that you have. Live right and be ready to share the treasure that you carry in your very humble (laughs) jar of clay. Hope. The hope that you have. See, I see that in a few ways. See, I see hope for me, like the, the hope that I have. But you see, the hope that I have is not just for me. The hope that I have is for my family. The hope that I have is for this church. The hope that I have is for our city. I carry hope. The hope that I have, when someone talks to me, there's a good chance they're going to walk away going, man, he's 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 got something going on for the city there. Like he's... He's he's believing for some crazy stuff to happen in our city. He's believing he's actually believing for God to set some people free in our city. He's believing that this church is, has a call to significance in our city that is it's like that there's a church that God is raising up and it's not just this congregation but God's raising up the church in our city. He's got some hope there that there's change on the way. He's got some hope there believing that there's going to be some prayers answered. Amen. I do. I have my good days and I have my bad days, but I believe I have hope. Therefore I have spoken. I love the fact that, you know, or uh, things like standing in the gap, the Scott is is leading in, in, in this church. It's a ministry from this church that actually goes out on Friday nights and ministers to the very simple physical needs of those living on the street. It's as practical and simple as you can get. And yet the very act of doing that is bringing hope to some people because they know that somebody cares and is consistent in coming out. Hope is being portrayed through that. I, I mean, I love Joyce Lean and, and the, the Osborne's, the team that they've got going there with, with G-Rock, Go Reach Our City, how they can bring and they can speak hope into areas of our city with, with, with at-risk youth and at-risk kids and so on. And when you bring hope into a situation, you're bringing transformation. Hope, a seed of hope A seed of hope grows. Where there is hope, there's transformation. And we can see that happen. But we've got to share it. And these things are great. Standing in the Gap, you guys are awesome. G-Rock, you guys are good. Better than good. You know what I mean. We're good. Those are specific ministries, and I encourage you to get involved in those. But I want you to get this. I want you to get this. This is not about a ministry. This is about you. This is about you. If you're here this morning and you, you, are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you, you carry a treasure. There has been a deposit made in you of immeasurable value. The hope the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets people free and transforms our world is in you. Try and wrap your head around that for a second. Because the first thing that we do, or no, maybe some people, most of us, first place my mind goes is, well, you don't know me. We are not etched crystal vases. Maybe not. We may not be. We may be cracked, somewhat warped, clay pots, fragile with flaws. But we have this treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay that the unsurpassing power of God may be manifest in us and through us to a generation and a city that so desperately needs it. As much as this message is about the church, it's about you. You know why? Because you are the church. The church is not a building. The church has not been a building ever. It's about us. We are his people. We are his church. We are those that he uses. Wow. <laughs> oh, if we could just figure that out. If we could wrap our heads around it, wrap our hearts around it. If we could believe that, we could walk out of here. I believe we walked differently than we walked in. And that's my hope for you this morning. We have this treasure. I'm going to ask the, the team to come back as I, I continue. If you're, I just want to kind of leave with this thought, and I've, I've already said it, but I just want to say it again. If you're a believer here this morning, hear my heart. If you are a believer, if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, the seed for transformation of our city is within you. Let that soak in a little bit. The seed of transformation for your family is in you. The seed of transformation for our region is in you. It's in you. It's in you, it's in you, it's in you. Take the time and point to each one. It's like, I know you're not supposed to point. It's not polite to point, but I'm going to point. It's in you. How exciting is that? How transformational is that? You carry a treasure. Can I encourage you? To believe it and therefore speak. Let your lives speak it. Walk it out. As Peter says, walk it out in humility. Let's be humble. Let's be sensitive. But let's walk with I believe and therefore my life speaks. I believe and therefore I have hope. I believe and therefore I'm willing to share it. I believe and therefore I'm willing to be part of the solution. I believe and I recognize that I am cracked, I am flawed, I am human, I am clay. But I'll do it anyway. I just wanna pray for you. You can remain seated for the moment. It's it's in this moment, I just wanna pray because I believe God's doing something. God, we, we begin by recognizing our frailty our humanness our brokenness Lord, we are flawed and God, so many times we've allowed that to disqualify us or to minimize or to hide or to bury the treasure within we can't even believe that it's even there but God, I believe that it is Lord, for, for some folks here this morning that have maybe, maybe made it about the wrapper, made it about the mud puddle, made it about the jar more so than the treasure, God, I pray for a transformational moment here right now, oh God. Lord, may the glow from that treasure, may the, the brilliance, the brilliance and the, and the warmth and the, and the love and the power of the gospel that is within us, Lord, I pray that that would begin to glow and grow and, and well up within us, Lord to the point that it eclipses everything else that it becomes undeniably obvious within us that the presence of God resides within us and that is enough God where we've disqualified ourselves Lord I pray that you would recommission Lord where there are those that, that have, have maybe in, in fear have stepped back from sharing what's on their heart they they believed but they have not spoken Lord and they feel condemned because of that Lord I just say shame off you that, that in, the, in the moment that, Lord, that the guilt would lift, that there would be no sense of condemnation, but, God, instead that would be replaced by a sense of empowerment, that the power of God that transforms would be at work within us to be able to seize the opportunity, seize the day, and to be your sons and daughters in simplicity of faith, believing that what we carry is the seed of transformation for our own lives, for our city, for our families, and for the very world. God, you are good. Lord, let your word not return void in Jesus' name. Amen. Run with it, people. We're going we're to take a moment. It just, just a moment. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to run off the stage and get changed, and we're going to go into baptism. We have an opportunity to, to baptize an individual, and I'm not going to steal his story because he has his own, and he's going to tell it because he has believed, and he will therefore speak. Mm. just as we've heard in baptism alone. But baptism, baptism does not save you in case you're wondering. Baptism is this wonderful experience that we have in obedience to walk in the footsteps of Jesus to allow a, a, a rite of passage, a ceremony of will for someone to publicly proclaim about Jesus and God, say, I'm with him. It's an opportunity for us to go into the waters of baptism and say that I identify with Christ I identify with his his death, burial, and resurrection. His death, burial, and resurrection. I identify with that because I'm new. I'm a new person in him. It's it's not about, it it doesn't bring salvation, but it is a powerful symbol. And I'm believing for God to speak to a rash, even if we go through this. I believe the spirit of God's all over him and and, and in this. And so we're gonna celebrate that together because it's it's a wonderful symbol of, of being just cleansed by the blood of Jesus and arising to new life. And like who wouldn't be excited about celebrating that? And so we're going to do that I'm going to ask that you stand and we're going to sing a song of worship as I, as I go and I, and I get changed and so God bless you all.